6, verse 60 to 71. Many disciples desert Jesus. <clears throat> On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples had turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, I have not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. What's now? Uh, always valued each time I'm asked to preach because um, honestly I, I never take it lightly and um, I would like us to start with um, opening prayer Father Lord we thank you for the service this morning, for the message we're about to hear. May these words bring you glory and bless your holy name. May we hear the good news of this message. We open hearts and may we live lives that glorify you on daily basis. In Jesus' name we pray. The title is Many Disciples Abandon Jesus. Many Disciples Abandon Jesus. I would like to start by asking us a question this morning. What on earth is it in your life today that could make you to leave Jesus, to leave following Jesus? What is it that will make you not to follow Jesus, to deny Jesus? What could possibly be that thing that will make you to say bye-bye to Jesus, bye-bye to um, being a Christian? We will come back to this question later if you have the time. Meanwhile, always have a time. I always go um, above the time. So I pray that I'll be able to finish. I time myself. So I'll be able to finish and uh, 
within the allocated time given to me. Like Jeremy did last time. The rejection, the rejection of Jesus continued in John 6. However, this time, rejection of Jesus comes not from the hostile enemies as seen in chapter 5, but from people who are the followers of Jesus Christ. The amount of the account of John is a warning to those of us who are following Jesus, urging us to continue following him, even when following him becomes hard and dangerous. <clears throat> I would say that we are honestly very, very fortunate and lucky in this western part of the world to freely worship God, to freely answer and call ourselves Christians. There are some parts of the world that you cannot come out clean to say you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ. You will be killed. It happens in many parts of, of the world. Where, as a statistic, I was reading that every day a Christian is killed, more than one Christian is killed in a day for being a Christian. So when we are at this point now where many disciples are turning away from Jesus, it is not just the hard-hearted people that are rejecting Jesus. Even the disciples have been following Jesus, who have been following Jesus and now turning away from him. This passage is about the way in which Jesus encourages us as his followers to muster up strength, to drag ourselves by all means across the finish line. But to those of us who, not for those of us who not genuinely believe, Jesus' words were offensive. But for those of us who believe, Jesus' words are spirit and life, assuring us of the reality of faith and driving us away from the possibility of abandoning him. So my question is, why are these disciples turning away from Jesus Christ? What has happened to cause them to turn away following him? We are going to look at John 6, from verse 60 to 71, and probably consider why the disciples left, and what turning away from Jesus will result to, and how we can manage not to turn away from him. If we find ourselves in the same situation with those that abandoned him, in this short passage, we will be looking at the ability to persevere. How, how will Christians make it all the way to the end? Heavenly rest is a lonely rest. It's a rest that we have to um, run individually. It's not a rest to say, oh, this is my wife, this is my child, we run together. It's a lonely um, kind of journey. It's a lonely rest. We can see from last week's preaching by Jeremy in the previous verses that the people did not take what Jesus said lightly, especially the aspect of him being the bread that came down from heaven, verse 41b, which resulted in the people asking, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, 
I came down from heaven. That's, you can see in verse 42. In verse 61 through 66, we can see that the disciples are the ones who walk away from Jesus. They are the ones who no longer want to follow him. We must, however, distinguish the followers that walked away from Jesus, from the 12 disciples, who remained with him up to that point. So uh, I decided to divide the passage into three subheadings. Jesus that preserves his people by promise, by assurance, and by warnings. When we read in verse 60 that on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? We might be familiar with what's happening here, though it's not defined in this verse that we are looking at today. <clears throat> it was a part of the preaching done last week by Jeremy. Jesus was preaching to the people among other things, that he is the bread of life, that anyone who comes to him will not test, and anyone who believes in him will not suffer. And it then gets even harder and complicated. It becomes more offensive when he starts to proclaim in verse 54 that who, who, whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood has internal life, and, who will, and he will raise him up on the last day. Then Jesus starts explaining who actually is, who he actually is. And this is what the people found hard. This is a hard saying, verse 60, who can accept it? And Jesus went then asked, does this offend you? In other words, Jesus was asking, asking them, do you find this upsetting? Is this shocking to you? Does this look strange to you? Does this turn you off me? Does this look a bit strange that you don't seem to believe? Then in verse 62, Jesus asked them this question. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? In other words, Jesus was asking them, What if you saw me fully revealed in my glory? Will you still be offended? Would you still take offense to what I have said to you? What if you saw me in my glory coming on the clouds to inherit a kingdom that will never perish? According to prophecy of the prophecy of the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7, where Jesus continued in verse 63 by saying, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, they are all full of spirit and life. In other words, Jesus was saying, You are trying to size me up and evaluate me, but you cannot size me up that way. That the only way you will be able to do that is if the Holy Spirit gives you life. If the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. In other words, you must have the spiritual eyes to look at me differently, but not with the eyes of the flesh. Jesus is saying here that the people will need the eyes of faith 
to be able to evaluate or size him up correctly. The level of unbelief in the people measures up to, say, in verse 65. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. So the Spirit has to, the Spirit has to give you life, and it has to be granted by the Father. So when the, when the giving of life by the Spirit happens, then the eternal promise of Jesus on the last day will naturally take its place. <clears throat> but if you judge me according to your flesh, you will miss it, and that will result in you missing the eternal life. Jesus then went on. Jesus then did not only just give promises. In areas of assurances, he also did give assurances. In verse 66, we read, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So in verse 67, um, 67 let me see the picture. Yeah. Verse 67, Jesus asked the 12, you do not want to live to, do you? I guess at this time, Jesus was probably trying to be sure of where he stands with his disciples. Jesus was like, are you guys staying with me or do I need to review my business plan? Probably with a new set of people, followers, disciples, a new strategy of fulfilling the task before him. And that is the, the, the task before him is fulfilling the will of God. The reason why God sent him on earth. In verse 68 and 69, Simon Peter gave answer to the question of assurance to, to Jesus by saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of, of God. Peter, in other words, was saying, we believe you are worse, and we believe that you are the word made flesh, the Holy One of God. Where would we go? Where possibly could we go to fulfill the longings that we very much know that you only will satisfy? There's nowhere else to go, and there's no one else to go to. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Listening to him is everything. No one else can satisfy like Jesus. Life is not found anywhere else. True and genuine disciples understand this. No matter how challenging Jesus can be, there's nowhere else to go. Jesus is not only the hope, but he is our only hope. Talking about going back, what would we go back to? We go back to our former way of life? Are we going to reject the challenges of Jesus and go back to our empty way of life? The former way of life is a way that has no meaning, no lasting joy, and no lasting value. How could we go, how could we go back, seeing that Jesus Christ is the only answer to our daily needs? Going back would be like putting a bandage on the deepest needs of life. 
it does not resolve or satisfy it. Today, Jesus is still telling us the same thing which he said over 2,000 years ago to his disciples. He is still asking us to drink of him. He will satisfy our thirst. Feed on him and he will satisfy our hunger. I must point out here that in verse 67, uh, 69, Peter was wrong about one thing. Notice that he says, we, by that he meant all the 12 disciples. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus corrected that saying, no, Peter, that is wrong. <clears throat> there is one here who does not fit in well with us. In these last two verses, Jesus exposed him. In verse 70, then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. And verse, verse um, 71, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Have you noticed that there were three groups of disciples in this short passage? There were those who did not stay with Jesus all the way. They dropped out after a while. Then there were those who could not leave, no matter what happened. They have seen too much. They have heard too much. And they've realized who Jesus was. Finally, there was one who has never really believed but he did not live. Here in this congregation this morning, just like in every other church, there are probably representatives of these three groups. Some of us have started well with Jesus, but for one reason or the other, we drop out, we abandon him. There are some of us who will never live, who cannot quit who have seen too much of Jesus, who have learned too much of him, who have been ministered to and fed, strengthened by the Lord Jesus himself, who knew the comfort of his presence, who can never give up, who can never give Jesus up. Then there's the third group, there may be some of us here who want to stay with Jesus for their own reason. They want to appear to be Christians, but they are not really genuine believers in Christ. They are only just for themselves. These are the ones who will betray Jesus at the slight, slightest opportunity. These are the ones that will betray Jesus when the pressure comes too much on us as Christians. Last um, intercession, Jesus preserves his people by warning. Look at what Jesus says, assuring the disciples, you are still here with me. But he gives the reason for this in verse 70. Jesus replied to them, have I not chosen you, the twelve, but one of you is a devil. This is the way that warnings work for, for true believers. And Jesus gives us warning for our own benefit. There are guidelines for our lives. As true believers, Jesus, by saying one of you is a devil, 
and the disciples will start thinking, please, let it not be me. I hope it's not me. Questioning themselves and searching their souls. What is in your life at the moment? If you hear this warning, and not to be a devil, not to betray Jesus. If we start taking inventory of our lives, not because we will be saved by being able to conf confess every one of our sins because there are too many that we cannot possibly remember all. Jesus is giving us this warning here today to start taking inventory of our lives so that we can repent because that is the means by which Jesus preserves his people. Lastly, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to heaven? That is the warning of the gospel, and it's serious. This is to lead us back to the promise that Jesus Christ died for us. His flesh was torn, his blood was paid for us, and, and his promise is for all those who look upon him and believe and will have eternal life. Let us all reflect on the three groups above. To which group do we belong? Can we proudly ask, Lord, to whom shall we go? Even though we don't always understand. Lord, even though we can't always figure out, figure it out, even though we don't always like what you do, the Lord, to whom can we really go? That is the kind of heart that Jesus Christ is looking for. Depending on the group we belong, there is still hope, hope of repentance, hope to turn back to him, hope of turning 360 degrees back to Jesus. He is a loving God. He is ever willing and ready to accept us back anytime, any day. Let us pray. Lord, even though we may fall into any of these three groups, we pray that it will not be the last group. We do not want to be Judas, Lord, who lives only for himself, under the pretense of Christian faith. We do not even want to be those who follow from afar, uncertain and uncomfortable. Lord, make us those who love you, who cluster around you, who cling to your words, who are willing to search them out, understand them, and obey them, and believe that they are the words that will give us eternal life. Father, we ask that you show us as our sin and lead us by your spirit to repent and come back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gabriel, thank you very much. That's a powerful challenge, isn't it? That some who appeared to be disciples yet went away and no longer followed Jesus. But those who remained said, to whom shall we go?
you have the words of eternal life. Often it's the case that there's things that we don't understand. Uh, Someone talked about it as having a list of things that are awaiting further light or things that we're going to ask the Lord when we see him face to face. Christians aren't people with all the answers, but we know enough. We know enough that Jesus has eternal life.